I was uh, really a, an emotionally unstable human being and really struggled with, you know, depression and uh, unmanage unmanageable emotions. Uh, you know, when Rosie first met me um, eight years before we got married, I was being dragged five, five, five years. years before I got married. I was being dragged out of a bar kicking and screaming by a bunch of lesbians and, um, you know, it's just, it's, that's my before picture. And I went on a, a journey to really heal the emotions inside of me and transform myself. And one of the tools that I found was forest yoga. Hello and welcome everyone to Awaken to Your Real Power podcast. I am so excited to have you here. I am your host, Roma Bajaj Kohli, and I am taking you on a journey within. My sole intention with this podcast is to help you dive deeper into identifying your authentic self, overcoming self-doubt, fears, and limitations, and becoming in alignment with the best version of you. I bring in guests from diverse fields and backgrounds and we talk about self-growth, self-mastery, building meaningful relationships and doing work that feeds your soul. Hello and welcome everyone to Awaken to Your Real Power podcast. Today I have my favorite, favorite mentors, teachers, master coaches and founders of The Little Volcano. They are a fierce pair of cosmic traveling soul seekers. They have been transforming thousands of people's lives together since 2012. Their journey began with becoming forest yoga teachers together on their honeymoon. Since then, they've owned a yoga studio, traveled the world teaching yoga and personal transformation work, hosted yoga adventure retreats, and have built a successful multiple six-figure coaching business in the last two years. Their tribe is going fast as they ride their magic carpet of wild authenticity and freedom. Their mission is to usher in the next generation of thought leaders, healers, coaches, spiritual teachers, and transformers while supporting them through their personal and business expansion. They have co-authored a best-selling book and created one of the most radical families on this planet. I can't wait to learn more about that. Um, Kit Volcano uh, has built and sold a half million dollar company before he turned 30. There's no surprises in any of your intro. You guys are just, has spoken on stage at the Dolby and opened as a speaker at Kyle C's. Rosie Volcano has been a healer for over 15 years, yoga teacher, energy worker, and shamanic practitioner, helped grow the social media accounts and online retail stores for one of the biggest yoga brands out there, highlighted as an expert keynote speaker for multiple businesses and personal development events this year. Thank you so much for coming here. Thank you, Thank Roma. You, Roma. That, wow, that intro, I know that we wrote all of that stuff and also it just, I'm like, wow, that sounds cool. We sound cool. I love that. <laughs> Not just that. I mean, I am one of the fortunate few who have also got to experience your magic in real time for seven long months. And it, it is it is amazing to uh, for the work you do and also your dedication and commitment that you both have towards this work is mm -hmm. amazing. Thank you so much. So 
So I want to start with first in your story about how did you guys end up like tell me the story about how did you guys end up becoming uh, forest yoga teachers on your honeymoon like who does that? <laughs> you know I think I think uh, how we end up becoming forest yoga teachers on our honeymoon is really a testament to the work that we do. Um, I was uh, really a, an emotionally unstable human being and really struggled with, you know, depression and uh, unmanage unmanageable emotions. Uh, you know, when Rosie first met me um, eight years before we got married, I was being dragged five, five, five years. years before I got married. I was being dragged out of a bar kicking and screaming by a bunch of lesbians. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, that's my before picture. And I went on a, a journey to really heal the emotions inside of me and transform myself. And one of the tools that I found was forest yoga. And um, forest yoga, uh, I think what I really fell in love with about it is, is it's got such a, a deep coaching element to it. It helps you um, go on a journey of, of feeling and understanding yourself and coming to your center and being with yourself and healing and healing. Yeah. That's the big, can I add something really quick? Yeah. My before, right before this was I had been through a massive amount of trauma in many different ways for, um, about a year and a half. And of course, childhood stuff too, but really like a really rough year and a half right before, um, before this and then we kind of came together right this this time yeah and and so um i went through a horrible breakup and found forest yoga and just found like finally allowed myself to do all the self-help woo-woo personal development yoga everything that like my spirit was hungry for to heal i finally let myself do it because that was like either you you dive in and you really give your spirit what it wants or or you end your life because the way you're living right now just on the surface of everything with so much disconnect and from your own emotions and from from people is is just not functional and um so i found forest yoga and all this healing work and really transform myself and through that i attracted rosie and on because i the relationships i was attracting before her were were definitely not to this caliber and um the person i was before i did that healing would not have been able to handle an amazing woman like this or keep one and um one of our first or you know it's one like of our, our third or third fourth, or fourth date. date he was like come to yoga class with me i was like oh cool i'm gonna show off like i've been doing hot yoga for years at this point i thought i was such a so it's like a, a yoga pro. Like I was like, oh yeah, he's going to be really impressed with my yoga skills. And this is going to be great. I'm going to go to his little yoga studio and he's going to see how flexible I am. And I'm just going to be like, yeah, and he's going to, you know, I'm just going to impress him. And so he took me to this, this and yoga I was, class. I was, I was kind of showing off like, oh, I'm going to take you to my community garden and we're going to get some tomatoes <laughs> that I made, that, that I, I, I grew. Yeah. And, and I grew this, like this, Romanesco and all the 
kale. So we went to my community garden and picked all this produce. And I took her to my yoga studio. So, so wholesome. Yeah, it was a very wholesome date. And then so he takes me to this yoga studio. And like within the first minute, I was like, what is this? <laughs> it's like immediately making you turn on muscles you didn't even know you had for the first time. And you're just like, how am I supposed to be? And then the next thing you know, you're moving into this emotional thing. And, and they're bringing up all the things that you haven't wanted to look at. But now all of a sudden you have to look at it and think about it and feel it. And so like within 15 minutes, I'm crying in this yoga class and I'm like, ah, and I can't do any of the poses because they're all different from the hot yoga poses that I did before. And then by the end of the class, she literally taught us this exercise during Shavasana where you forgive the people who have done wrong to you, including, you know, like I said, I'd been through a year of trauma, including being attacked and all of this kind of crazy stuff that happened to me. And so that was the first time I had ever even considered forgiving those people. And so I was just a mess. I was covered in snot and tears and I was just sobbing. And then, and I'm on, we're on like our third date. And I just thought I was going to be so like hot, you know? And then afterwards I was like, wow, I I need to do this. I need to teach this yoga. We're standing in the parking lot. The sun was going down. We're eating, We're eating this, this tomato. Heirloom tomato. And in, in, in it's like summer and it's just starting yeah, to cool off. August. And the colors are just so beautiful. And, and this, this yoga studio is in this industrial area. So it's just this like picturesque moment in my mind. And we both looked at each other and we're like, we need to do this. We need to do this. Yeah. And, and so um, we started dating. I mean, we were, we obviously we kept dating. And so that was August of 2012. And by March 2013, we were married and we had decided somewhere in December, I think, to go to teacher training together in May of 2013. So two months after we got married, we were we went to a month long training together where you have to like leave the city you live in, leave your jobs and just go do this yoga thing every day, all day for a full month. And it was the most beautiful experience that we could have ever chosen as like a honeymoon experience it was completely transformative and so powerful i think it really kind of sealed the commitment of what we're here to do as a couple yeah. which is help people heal heal ourselves make a difference for the world <laughs> and help people come back to their spirits yeah that's amazing. I think that story of how you guys landed there is so cool. But I want to ask you, Rosie, like you mentioned the forgiveness piece. Was there one principle or value or many that you both took from yoga? Because I've done forest yoga with Lola, so your lead coach. And um, I've done it for a multiple amount of years before I even knew about you guys and what you all do. So I, I love forest yoga and it is such a, it's a different perspective to yoga on the mat. It's so much on the mat and beyond that it's beautiful how it's practiced and how it's taught. But I want to know, like, was there something that you guys took from that, that lives with you even today? From that, from that one class? No, not just from that oh. class, but like from forest yoga teacher training or just the whole thing in general. Oh my gosh so much i mean it 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 has like forest yoga has really defined who we are as healers mm -hmm. and the the principles that we've learned about integrity about strength about using your breath about being present with your emotions and and just there's so much about the foundations of forest yoga that are still a part of our everyday lives a part of our spiritual teachings and i i believe that the coaching that we have developed since then 
what it really felt like to us when we discovered coaching, when we discovered coaching, we realized we'd already been doing it for quite a long time and especially doing it while we taught forest yoga. And so we would, when we discovered that you could do it on a one-on-one basis, you could do it on zoom and you could do it, you know, it doesn't have to be through yoga. Um, it felt like this was exactly what we needed as forest yoga teachers was this extension of the work that you do on the mat. Like you say, it's on the mat and off the mat. But for the most part, if you're going to a forest yoga class, you discover this stuff about yourself on the mat, but then you don't have any support or guidance or assistance in continuing to do that work off the mat. So unless you're doing it yourself and you're really diligent about doing yourself, it's like you're opening up these cans of worms and then you're kind of like, what do I do with all these worms? And that's, so that's what I really see as the coaching that we do is like, this is the extension program of of all of the things that you start to learn about yourself within those yoga classes. Yeah. I think that the really, the body really is a, a messenger. And I think that's the thing that we've really taken forward is so much of coaching and consulting doesn't include the spirit and the body. And we combine those two because of our foundations in yoga. Yes. And that's exactly how I felt when I entered the seven day, um, get yourself. No, what is it called now? Get yourself together challenge. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the get yourself together challenge. That's when, when Lola coached me for the first time, I was like, this is what I needed. This is what I was missing. And just like you guys, I felt like I was having uh, clients over to learn yoga, but they were not really coming for yoga. What they were looking for is so much more support and guidance and just holding space for them all the time. And I didn't know that that was possible. Even when they left the yoga mat, how could I be of support to them? And it was when I came to you guys for the first time that I realized, oh, this is coaching. This is what I can do too to refine my teachings as a yoga teacher and take it more off the mat for for people. So I want to know that you guys owned your own yoga studio. So did I. I I had my own home yoga studio. But I want to know what made that shift happen. Was it just um, the desire to travel? Or was it what the impact that you saw in um, the coaching was making in people's life? What what shift happened that made you close your yoga studio down and then venture into coaching and transforming people's lives all over the world? Sure. So uh, Roma, it was actually coaching that helped us shut down our yoga studio and and realizing that we are the creators of our of our life. Um, and that we create from our, our beliefs, our programming and our mindset. And as soon as I really realized like that we had opened a yoga studio based on a belief that we could live a simple life, that we didn't need a lot of money to be happy, that we were just here to sacrificially heal everybody else and not receive, and that we could just give, 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 and give and give without thinking about ourselves. As soon as I realized that we opened the yoga studio on that premise, I realized I I just had such clarity that, that we had opened that yoga studio from a limited framework and we weren't limited anymore. And that 
when I realized that we are just absolutely completely unlimited, we decided to shut down the yoga studio and actually go after a dream that was true to our hearts. And when we had first gotten together, we knew we were here to impact the world in a really, really big way. And settling for a simple life dream was not us. And it is for some people, definitely. But we made that from such a limited perspective of who we are and who we were here to be. And once you realize that you're not limited, you can do anything it's you can cut it's just it's like an immediate decision to cut ties with with dreams you made when you were small when you were thinking small wow and it's the crazy thing as soon as we did that we are like okay we opened this yoga studio from a limited framework if we were unlimited what would we really want to be doing right now travel And, and rosie yeah you were like my number one thing my entire life has been, I, I always wanted to travel. And for most of my life, I told myself I was too poor to travel. So I didn't. And <clears throat> I just started traveling right before we started dating for the first time and was in love with it. And then pretty shortly after I got married, Kit was like, let's move to Asheville, North Carolina and open a yoga studio. And I'm like, yeah, okay, why not? And very quickly we realized that like, when you open a brick and mortar business, especially in a small town with no money, you're going to be married to that business. It's going to be like your child. You cannot leave it for more than 24 hours or it's going to crumble without you. And so after a year and a half of that, of, of just never leaving Asheville, never leaving the yoga studio, we practically slept there. Um, it, it, we really, I was miserable it, for many different reasons, but that was one of the main things was like, man, I promised myself when I first started traveling that I would never let anything, especially my mindset or my, my money situation, I'd never let that get in the way of traveling again. And now it has. And so immediately I was like, what do we really want to be doing? Really want to be traveling. And almost within what, two weeks of kind of deciding that and realizing that this is actually what we want to do within two weeks, somebody who teaches the same style forest yoga, who lives in Scotland, who we didn't really know. We just knew from the internet. He, he asked us to get on a FaceTime with him. So we did, we got on a FaceTime call with this guy who's kind of a little bit of a yoga celebrity. And he said, Hey, do you guys want to move to Scotland and teach yoga for me for about six months? Cause I need to do some traveling. And we we're like, yes. When would you like us? We moved there within two months. You know, we like closed out a business, got rid of everything we owned, found someone to watch our dogs for half a year. And then we just moved to Scotland with some backpacks. <laughs> I, I love how Kit, you spoke about um, you opened the yoga studio with, an, with a very limited vision of you. And, and then how Rosie was knew it was a no to say that maybe I don't want to open the yoga studio, but somewhere, you know, as empaths, we just feel like I just have to do what my other better half or my, my uh, partner wants me to do, right? And I that's so profound because most of my clients and even me so many times, I find myself in that situation where our boundaries are so lucid, our, our vision for ourselves is so small how can we help people see that bigger perspective of themselves? Like how, like I know what you guys do and how uh, Biscrafted Poetry and Magma and all the other yoga adventures that and retreats that you guys teach help us, you know, help us tap into that. But how can someone who's listening to this right now really tap into that infinite potential that they carry within them? 
May I share a little bit about that? Yeah. Okay. Um, there are so many different ways to do this, Roma. And like you said, I, coaching is definitely a huge help. But um, for us as leaders, as people who others look up to, I think the number one most, most important thing for us to remember is to always lead by example. If you want to understand how big you can be, you have to make decisions that scare you and take risks in your life that you're not sure how they're going to work out and just go for it. Even if you mess up. Um, And then on top of that, you know, wherever you are in that spectrum of being a leader or being a follower or, you know, wherever you're at on your journey, identifying who are the people whose lives you want your life to look like Mm -hmm. and really just listening to their stories and reading about them and listening to how they've overcome their obstacles in their life. That's been one of the most helpful things for me. You know, Oprah interviews people who started with nothing, who've been through extremely difficult circumstances and have made something beautiful in their life, whether they're a spiritual person, whether they're a sports player, an actor, whoever they are. Um, And so constantly surrounding yourself with stories like that, with people like that, who have transformed their own lives. um, That's, that's something that I constantly do. I think, um, we started off this, this interview talking about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I think forgiveness is the antidote of, of blame and not taking responsibility for your life. Mm -hmm. And one of the most important things you have to forgive is the moment, is uh, yourself, is other people. And in doing that, you have to stop seeing it as being wrong or as being a choice that you regret or a choice that shouldn't have happened. And forgiveness uh, in, on some level is just saying, my spirit, whether I wanted to do this or not, obviously chose this to learn something and um you were talking about like rosie maybe not wanting to go to open a yoga studio or or, or maybe wanting to open it um i do think that on some level like everything you do is meant to happen Mm -hmm. and the lessons we learned um in going through that challenge in Asheville would i don't think we would be where we are right now had we not gone through that that challenge absolutely and it's almost like realizing like any obstacle that you've created or someone else has created in your life is just here to get you to wake up to your full potential, just here to get you to wake up to what's already in front of you that is here for you to receive. It's just like to add to that a little bit. I mean, it's this concept that we all came into this human experience in this lifetime because we chose this. We chose our parents. We chose our siblings. We chose our partner way ahead of time before we even came into these bodies. And if you go through life understanding that you chose every single experience that you have, it's one of the most empowering things that you can decide to believe about yourself. And when you can believe that about yourself, then you can see all your obstacles, all your failures Mm -hmm. as 
this is actually part of my lesson. This is part of the reason why I'm here on earth. And for me, that that is like the most powerful thing that you can choose to believe. You know, and it's funny us moving to Asheville, like that is one of the most powerful lessons that we teach is, is that when you take full responsibility for your life and everything that you're creating and um, really own the lessons that are here in, in the challenges, you take full responsibility, your whole life opens up for you. And it it's like... Rosie taking full responsibility for coming to Asheville with me, me taking full responsibility for opening the yoga studio, like, like just owning everything that you've done and every uh, belief and limiting thought that guided you there and really just becoming the full creator of your life. It helps you realize you can make different choices. And sometimes you guide yourself intentionally into a place where you have a challenge just to see what you're doing that created that challenge. Yeah. So you don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I truly have believe I have the same belief that I think that as humans we have we are here to learn our lessons, whether it's a challenging situation or even if it's a successful one, you have to take time to reflect and dissect what happened that made you successful or that didn't and really learn from that because that's why you are here. So I love it how beautifully you guys put it. And one more thing that comes to me when the way kids say this taking full responsibility is like you become a yes to life from the core of your being because then like like when when the guy from Scotland, the yoga celebrity, asked you to come and you guys said, yes, we, we are coming and you just backpack and you go. How does that happen? It's not, yes, there is a bit of courage. Yes, there is a bit of seeing clarity and wanting to, you know, the curiosity to wanting to learn what's above and beyond. But at the same time, there is this uh, nature in every human being to tap into what more is life offering to me? Yeah, I got this one. Um, so before before we moved to Asheville, uh, I remember proposing to Rosie like, "Why don't let's just go travel? Let's just go travel now." And and there was the bills, the 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 school payment, the loans. This like I don't think we can do it. And um, and it was probably just a tiny little blip that 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 even came up. The tiny fear, and I, I let it. I definitely let it feed me into going and creating a sustainable, like, like a safe, simple life for us. Um, but I think it's like when you get that call of your spirit, do you let fear dictate you? Do you let the logical mind hold you back? Or do you say, if I want this so bad, all I need to do is take the first step and then the next step, and then the next step, and overcome the fear in every single step. Yes, I think that's the power of our intuition and our intellectual ability that we can say yes, even with our fears, and learn that there is nothing to be fearful of. You make a mistake or get successful. What's the worst that can happen anyways, right? So that's, that's beautiful. I want to know a little bit more about Magma and the program that you guys teach and 
there's so much I can say about it and I'll never finish saying about it because I learned so much in those six months. It almost felt like, like Rosie was saying, the, the can of worms. It almost felt like I knew these worms, like my box was open long back, but I didn't know what to do with those worms until I joined this craft and coaching. And all the triggers, all the um, all the things that I love and I like I hated, and then I began to love about your community, about what you guys do. Everything was so new to me. I had never learned about you know, what was woo-woo, what was magic, what is this universe, what is intuition, what are you guys talking about? Because I think I lived such an um, consciously unconscious life, the word is right, because I, I always believed that ignorance is bliss, and so much of my life was so comfortable with everyone providing for me, rather people dying to provide for me, so I kind of felt like this privileged mess in life and when I came to this program it kind of opened my eyes to my reality as to how much I already had and how ungrateful and um, in oblivion like I was just living out of ignorance in my life and how broken and um, not I would say not in alignment with my true truth was I I was just living this life because I felt it was a privilege to live this life. That's it. I didn't have a deeper purpose. I didn't have any meaning. I just knew that, okay, just me being here is enough. I don't need to do or be anything or anyone else. But in a very, uh, in a very egoistic way, I would say. It was like this crust of ego that was surrounding me. And it was not until I came to this craft and poetry that I realized how much of mess I had created inside of me with my self-talk, with the way I saw myself, how worthless I felt despite of having everything on the outside and how empty and corroded I was. So why don't you guys share a little bit about how you bring, I feel like you guys show a mirror to your, to, to your students where they don't actually just see themselves but they see deeper and more beyond themselves also. They, they don't just see the reality of who they are, but they also see the reality and perspective of this whole universe. That's so deep, Roma. That's so powerful. And I, gosh, Roma, I remember watching your transformation throughout the program and at Magma and watching your eyes light up every time you realize something new about yourself. And it was just so, such a beautiful process to watch you unfold and to watch you start to love yourself more. And then you would, you would go up and then you dip and go up and dip. And that's, that's like part of the beauty of the whole journey. And so thank you for sharing that. I, I love hearing um, your perspective on it now you know, because it's been what a year or something since you graduated. It's just about. Yeah. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. Right. So it's it's so beautiful to hear like all of the thoughts that you've formed around it over the last year and and looking back on that whole process, um, and that that is the biggest like I like to call that my paycheck. Like that's the real paycheck is hearing about people's transformations and getting to witness them and seeing how they talk about themselves and how they see themselves now and what they're creating. So. That's huge, but I'll let you talk about it a little bit too. Oh man, and just hearing your voice, I just have so many memories of that magma in Chicago yeah. and, and watching <laughs> you just like fully step into your power and just 
be loved and be embraced for everything that you didn't let yourself be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, I have to say that this process is a never ending journey. Mm -hmm. And um, we're always expanding. And, you know, you were talking about, you said something about, um, you're just living the life that you thought you should live. And, and, and that you were broken. And, you know, I don't, I don't really think that anybody is broken. But I think that what happens is the universe comes to break us open to our deeper potential, mm-hmm. and to what we plan to come here to be. And sometimes it, it takes those those broken moments of feeling the pain of being disconnected from the path that we know we want to be on that like the the whisper inside of us is telling us to go for um and it it you know we've created a, a community and a really intensive event that helps you break open even more um because i you know it's it's not for the faint of heart i will say that it definitely will push you to take that little crack that you might not know is there and just rip it open and take that shell off for the next evolution of you and it and just feeling maybe one percent more worthy maybe one percent percent more powerful maybe one percent more authentic maybe shedding one program that you keep doing like um uh you know for instance we have a a, a opportunities at magma to put you in like a real life situation that would normally trigger you that you would normally go back into your own old habits, your old programming. Um, But what we do is we put you into it with a directive of like, when you hear that whisper, speak up for yourself. When you hear, uh, when you see yourself getting small again, you get a new opportunity to practice being big. Um, When you see yourself going, putting the walls up of defensiveness of shame, you get an opportunity to just say like, oh man, I might've hurt your feelings. Oh, I, I, I see the impact I'm making on you so that we can really just become more of a collective that's working together and influencing each other and impacting each other instead of these, um, you know, unconscious beings who don't see the impact we're making and can make on each other. Yeah. Um, you know, Wayne Dyer has this phrase that I really like when he's talking about ego, he describes it as it stands for EGO edging God out. And I love that every time I think, because there's so many different ways you can look at the, the word ego, right. But that one right there really stands out to me. And the way that you were speaking about it, Roma, of you had this hard crust of ego, um, and that's that's what I see is that it's this hard crust that keeps you separated from feeling unified with all of the other human beings out there. Because once you remove that crust, you're vulnerable, but you're also connected. And you do see that you're actually not separate from any other being out there. We're all part of this experience together. We all affect one another and we're all here to see each other's true divine power. Um, and so that, that is, I think the biggest lesson that you and I have learned through coaching, um, one of them, and that's one of the things that we try to create for you, for all of our clients. Um, 
And that's especially why it's important to bring together clients and groups of people from different backgrounds as well. Um, that's the biggest, most important part of that is if you surround yourself with everybody who's from the same culture, the same background, the same religious beliefs, the same um, socioeconomic background, all of that stuff, you just constantly surround yourself with those same people. You're in an echo chamber and you never get the opportunity to actually connect with people who you might judge from other walks of life. So that's like where magma really becomes an incubator for that. Um, and that's one of the most powerful parts of it. I think, I think where we, we learned that was one of the things that Rosie and I do is we will intentionally put ourselves in groups where we are the other. Um, like our very first coaching group, uh, for, for people who don't know, um, when we first got together, I was a woman, Rosie was a woman. What? Uh, um, <laughs> so I'm trans <laughs> and our first coaching group, we intentionally put ourselves into a Christian, like mostly Christian based mindset thinking to heal our wounds with, um, our judgments of Christians because we were really edging them out of our lives and making them others and making them bad for their judgments of other people. And we re I realized that the best thing that I can do is if I'm pushing people away because I think that they don't love me is show up and, and be love. And I think, you know, in the society that we're in right now, uh, we are in this like cancel culture, this like, if you didn't, if like, if you voted for this person, you don't respect me. You don't, Still you don't me right now. You don't value my life. Yeah. And um, we are literally being the division that we hate in this country when we do that. And my little sister, she's she's such a beautiful little creature. Um, her roommate was going to vote for Trump, and instead of her being like, "You don't care about blah blah blah," which is it's like a totally a, an understandable response, you know. Um, but it, you know, it right now it's just it's not working in our society. Um, it, she she kind of just like sat there, processed it, and it was just like, hmm, let me understand what's going on with this person, and let me just like tell her what's going on with me. Mm -hmm. And she said, "Well, this is why I'm voting for this for 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 Biden, and it could go either way, you know." And she just said, "Um." Yeah, I think he's going to really protect LGBTQ rights, whereas I see Trump taking away some rights. And you know, I think, you know, the the income bracket I'm in right now, my my taxes, you know, like that his tax plan is actually here to support me and support people like you. And um, you know, I see you're really afraid of of the like people saying the tax plan of Biden, but like let's just really understand like the real truth of it and 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 um not get into what other people are saying to dramatize or control people. And when you cut out all the extra emotions, all the extra um, you know, gossip or whatever it is that is being said, and you connect to a person one-to-one -one and really try to understand who they are, what their intentions are, what their desires are in life, you can connect and realize that like people aren't really here, people aren't really making decisions because they hate others. Usually. Usually. <laughs> the majority of our country isn't making decisions because they hate others. They're making their decisions because um, they're in fear, uh, they're in programming, 
um, they have wounds. Uh, they don't, they don't know, you know, they've never been spoken to with compassion or, or caring or understanding. They've never been listened to. Mm. And when people are not listened to, what happens is all of their defenses go up and they make really intentional, like really fast, rash, emotional decisions. Mm. And I think that that's, you know, the power of, of this work is, it really helps you digest your own triggers so that you can become a space that helps people find what's true inside of them and you really listen to them. Yeah, I love that. I mean, when you said something about worthiness, was, and when you were talking about me and magma, that's exactly what I felt. Not just 1% of my worthiness. What I realized was that worthiness is such a fabrication of the economical societal a world that we live in because they want you to believe or see yourself in a certain way so that you can keep uh, being the consumer of all the things that are not good for you. And it was it was in magma that I realized or tapped into that there is no such thing as worthiness. We are, and the diversity that we're talking about is the, the kind of people that come from all backgrounds of uh, life in your program is what helped me see what was I pitying myself about? What was I mad at this world about? You know, and there's so much, uh, not that someone else's pain was less than mine, but there's so much more that we all can contribute together towards this world, but we just wish to live in that safe space because we are afraid to be seen. And when I, when I, I didn't even realize that you guys were trans, like it was a woman before, because when I saw you, I always saw you as the man and Rosie as the woman. It was my daughter who was six and a half at that time. That's how ignorant I was. She said to me, mama, you, you keep listening because you know, I was, I was studying your programs. I was listening to your videos on YouTube, your training, your master classes. And then my daughter comes and says, mama, kid sounds like a girl. And I'm like, no, he's a man. Why would you say that? Some people have thinner voices. And she's like, no, kid sounds like a girl. And it was then in between the story. I was like, okay, she's saying it must mean something. So it was in between that I didn't even go asking anyone because I was like, it doesn't matter. There's so much I'm learning here. And there's so much work to be done. It doesn't matter who's what right now. And um, so I, I was just in my lane. And then the next class, the next um, the live workshops that we would do with you guys, next coaching session, there it is. Kids talks about him being trans. And I was like, oh my God, how, how ignorant I was. Like, how come I didn't see this? How come I didn't know this? Because, because I don't know why. Like, I think I live with horse blinders when I'm in my mission here to do my work. I'm here to do my work. But it was only then that I realized this. And I was like, how does that change anything? And, and then I said it to my husband and he's like, you didn't know it? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know it when you signed up for the program? I said, no, but does that change anything? He's like, no, it doesn't. But you didn't know it, right? <laughs> You know, it's so funny. I, I, I have a beard. Um, I used to have short hair, but I like I I pass very well. Um, passing means like uh, 
most people who wouldn't know see you as the gender that you're presenting as. Um, uh, but my voice, I still get read as female. Especially on the phone. Especially when on the someone phone. someone can't see him, they'll call and be like, um, ma'am, may I speak to your husband? He's like, I am my husband. <laughs> I that the, And it's been a source of insecurity for me for a while. But, but you know, recently, as I've done a lot of work to um, love the polarity of me, like love the feminine parts, love the masculine parts and, and let them work together instead of competing against each other, um, let them work as a team. Uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm suddenly finding myself not even triggered or caring that my voice sounds feminine. Whereas that used to be like a source of, of, um, of pain for me. Mm. Now I'm just like, that's hilarious. Like, and there's benefits of it too. Like, um, when I need to call somebody and pretend to be Rosie, I, I can do that. <laughs> like, I don't need to put her on the phone. I just go, hi, this is Kit. And I go, hi, this is Rosie. Let me go get my wife. Let me go get my, <laughs> let me go get my wife. And I can just like, I can move with it just a little bit and, and get things done a lot easier. She's like, honey, just take care of this. Just go be me. Um, but I, I think that how that really ties into the work that we're doing is, is in this world is is um unifying the parts of you that fight against each other and making them a team and um not needing to identify as just one solid rigid thing that actually keeps you in a in a crusty shell um and realizing that like you're an infinite being that mm -hmm is actually completely unboxable it's so much deeper than than gender so much more expansive than that and um and also i think what's really cool about having kit as a coach and as a leader of this community is that the women the the people who are born women cisgendered women can trust him because he used to be a woman and he embodies both the masculine and the feminine experience in life and the men the people who are born men the cis men can trust him because he used to be a woman. And so he's not there trying to like macho his way through or like be the most powerful man in the room. Right. And, and so it, it's like this automatic, like liking, knowing, trusting factor, which is so amazing. It, as long as people don't have judgments against trans people, that's the one thing that gets in the way. Um, but then, then that becomes an opportunity to release your judgments. Um, and so it's it's a really beautiful thing that he's got going on here as a coach is like this, this instant ability to get people to question themselves, but also this instant ability to get people to trust him and go deeper in the work. It's and, really and I think what, what um, when I thought deeper about this, I was like, that's how, that's what authenticity means. Yeah. Authentic is equal to Kit Volcano because he actually is not afraid of being who he is. And he's not afraid of saying that I was a woman turned into a man. And not just that, he owns it. And then he leads this tribe of people like us, like to, to Nirvana, right? Yeah. I think that the flip side of that too is, is that, that I own, that I'm not afraid to be who I am but I also own the parts of me that are still afraid to be who I am. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to put myself in a box of like completely healed and complete human being 
I can put my, I can break that box and say, I'm both and I'm ever evolving and changing. And I don't need to like, like, I don't even fully like identify as trans or as male or as female. I just, I just use that to help people feel a safety and a certainty when they speak to me. Um, it's really there for other people. Yeah. So that's the question I have is how do you let, how do you help skeptics realize that when they come with that judgment about trans people, what, how do you help them see not just you, but themselves through you? Okay. So this is actually, this is a lesson that I'll teach everybody. Number one, when somebody has a judgment against you, you cannot help them if you think they're judging you. If you're taking it personally, if you think that their judgments are, have to do anything to do with you being bad, wrong, not okay. If you come from that framework, you'll be defensive. You'll create um, a push against. More disconnection. More disconnection. And really it's just about um, first being the love that, that they're, uh, they don't think that you can be because they have judgments against you. So just being a, a, a loving present force with them um being present with them being present with their fears being present with their wounds being present with their their potential and their power and and really like uh you know, one of my favorite quotes is from oprah is you can't hate people close up and when people come to me with judgments the thing that i do is i just try to get close up to their spirit i just try to get close up to their soul and i just try to be really really present with who they are and how they feel and and I just be my best self and I think that's all you can do mm -hmm. it, that often when you do that they realize oh there's actually no division between us mm -hmm. you're actually no different than me right. and the fear goes away but the fear really is there when you take their judgments personally and feed it by pushing back against their judgments. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's what mostly people do is they think they identify so much with our external identities that it becomes harder for us to detach from those labels and roles that we play in this life. Yeah. When we're we're infinite, you know, we're we're the like strong, powerful coach, leader, adult. Um, and we're also the wounded child who's still healing and expanding. We're both. And if, if we can't love both sides, we can't, it's, it's like, um, I call it like riding a bike. You've got your right pedal, your left pedal, your shadow, your light. And you can't just push on one side and just like lean onto one identity. You'll, you won't go anywhere. You need both to balance things out and keep the cycle moving and keep yourself growing. Yes, because I, I truly believe that you are a work in progress or a student and a master at the same time. Definitely. There's no, because different people are on the different paths of their continuum on their journey. And you just, you can help anyone who's even just one step behind you. You don't have to be those thousand steps forward. Yeah. And then you've got your children too, who are just like just newly born into this world, who are complete masters. And and you could say that they're one step behind us, but they're like 
I feel like as as we grow into more of who we are in this world, we're really just trying to become as free as our children are. I agree. And that's why I think that the reason why I started doing this work on me was because when I saw my daughter for the first time, I was like, she can idolize and love anyone else but me. That's the amount of hate and judgment I had for myself. When I looked into her eyes and I was like, no, I want to be a better role model for her. I want her to look at me and feel proud of her mom. But I didn't feel that. And it was with a lot of work and training that I realized that I needed to feel that for me first before she could see that in me. Wow, that's powerful. So a little bit more about your radical family unit. And that's so unique. And I, I have learned so much about it. When I saw your baby at Magma, I was like just blown away. It's like this unicorn baby with such a perfect or according to the world, an imperfect family uh, unit. But I love, I would love for my audience to know a little bit more about your There's a, That's another level of uniqueness that you guys carry. Sure. Um, so about seven years ago, Kit was cutting hair. He owned a hair salon. He was a hairstylist. And um, this young man came in to get his hair cut. And there's something that happens when I cut hair. My hands are um, occupied and it it puts me in flow and it shuts off the, the um, filter the wall that I could normally put up with strangers. And he said that he and his partner had been married for multiple years and wanted a biological child. And Rosie and I had just been married and Rosie had baby fever. She's also had donated her eggs and she really wanted to have a baby. And she talked about surrogacy. And um, I just out of my mouth to a stranger within the first 10 minutes of meeting him, I said, my wife will have your baby. What? (laughs) And I think... (laughs) I think here's the crazy thing is that when you're in flow and those walls go down, sometimes you say things that are just meant to be without any logic. Absolutely. So within a few weeks, we had hung out with them. We went out to dinner with them one night and we really just discussed, um, you know, why, you know, why are we even talking about this? We don't even know each other and just getting to know each other and getting to know what kind of parents would you be? What kind of parents would you be? And what do you believe in? What kind of education do you want? What kind of diet do you have? And what kind of lifestyle do you want for your kid? And all kind of like the major parenting values, because all of us had thought about being parents. Um, and we realized that we were aligned on pretty much everything in terms of what kind of parents we wanted to be at some point. And uh, by the end of the night, we were like, well, let's just kind of see what happens. And of course, we ended up moving to Asheville, North Carolina. We weren't, we weren't ready yet. They no, weren't no, no. ready yet. None of us were ready yet. But we said, let's just continue to get to know each other and see what happens at some point. And we'll know when it's the right time. Mm-hmm. So we, we were living in Chicago at the time. We moved to North Carolina. They stayed in Chicago. They came to visit us a couple of times. We kept feeling into it. Yeah, not the right time, but I still feel like yeah maybe we are are meant to be parents of these people and then we moved to california then we moved to scotland then we moved to california it just so happened that one of them got a job offer in california the same year that we moved here so we all ended up in california at the same time and it's this weird thing like um we had a car in chicago and in Asheville, and then when they were moving out to california they needed a car and when we moved to scotland we didn't need a car 
And so they took over our car, which is this weird, the universe's weird way of like saying, <laughs> stay connected. Stay connected. Yeah. And so we ended up living with them for a short period of time in California and feeling like, oh, I don't know if this is the right fit because, you know, living together, we have a lot of differences. Um, but then, you know, I actually went to a ceremony, an ayahuasca ceremony, where you do sacred medicine work and you take uh, this medicine that gives you visions. And within one of those visions, I actually saw the face of our child. And I knew that that guy, Ryan, was meant to be the biological father of that child. That was in November of 2018. I saw his face very, very clearly. Like, this is my child and he's on his way here. And it's going to be a boy. And this is, I can see his face. And so we, we told him, we told them on New Year's that year and we decided to go for it and by may of the next year i was pregnant and that was may 20 wait sorry this was 2017 november 2017 so by may 2018 i was pregnant and then by january 2019 that we had a trio and so he's going to be two pretty soon and sure enough his face is the exact face that i saw in that vision it's a hundred percent him his spirit his face like everything about him is it was very, very clear. So, um, so we are all four of us, our legal parents, we're all on the birth certificate, which is a magical thing that you can do in California. So we're all four equal parents. We all live together right now as co-parents. We might not always live together, but um, we are very good at co-parenting. We still are very aligned on all our parental values. And um, it's a very, very expansive experience for all of us there are constant constant shedding layers of ego that need to happen when you are co-parenting with a separate couple when you go into it intentionally as an evolutionary process as a process of awakening for all of you we are constantly opening up new layers of our ego to shed and to evolve and so it's a he's he's our awakener and they are too <laughs> and they are too yeah and I, I think it's one of those things it's just the same lessons that we're talking about is like any obstacles that come up that we think are um getting in the way of life you take full responsibility for life and you realize you've actually put them here for you to help evolve mm -hmm. and to help be more on your soul's path um yeah and actually it's our time to take the baby so i'm gonna go grab him real quick <laughs> so just few last few more questions is that kid you tell me is that when you say that you know i was reading uh, and I have lived through the working, is to do the magic first. What does that mean for you and how to teach that to your clients? I think doing the magic first to me means before you make any decisions, you connect to your spirit first. You connect to the infinite parts of you and you let them guide. But being 100% aligned with- Mama. Yeah. With like prioritizing Mama. your own happiness, taking full responsibility for your Mama. life. That's, that's the magic. And then you can create anything you want Mama. from that place. Mama. Mama. That's Mama. Mama. Yes, and I, and, I, and I so agree with that. I couldn't agree more. Like first becoming radically clear about what is it that you want, like your intention or whatever decision you are making can really define, make or break any situation. 
So, okay, now these are a little bit more quick questions because I want to have fun towards the end of it. And you guys are so much fun. If I've learned anything from you guys is how to celebrate and have fun in life. <laughs> so what is, um, in one word, can you tell me, what is the secret to your success? I'd have to say love. Oh, I was going to say courage. <laughs> nice, I love that. Okay, and okay, this one you can take a little bit more than one word. Is that what is the mindset or lifestyle shifts you guys had to make in order to uh, make a thriving six-figure business for y'all in just two short years? Mm. Which it actually that needs to be updated because um, it's it's been more than two years now and it's much more than six much figures. More than that. <laughs> Um, but that's okay. So like the, the biggest mindset shift that we had to make, I think it's something we've already talked about, which is taking full responsibility for everything that you create and, and not being a victim to any external circumstances or stories. That's the most important thing that you can do. You want to take him? Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, is it the same for you? Yeah. 100%. <clears throat> 100%. If that, if that piece weren't there, then you're just a, a, a victim to circumstance without any, any power to actually influence your life. And what is that one habit that you are most proud of? Hmm. You really threw some zingers at me. I'm, I'm so not a creature of habit. That's really funny. It's a funny question to ask. Interesting. Okay, so then what is that challenge? What is a challenge that you face on a daily basis? And how do you overcome that? Hmm. I, I think I think the habit that that like, I would say that this isn't a habit, because it's not a daily thing. But it is that the commitment to growth. Mm. The commitment um, to seeing where seeing that that edge of fear that you want to go beyond and going beyond it wow amazing and that's a, not necessarily something that like happens every single morning like a habit but i think it's definitely the the um the reason for we have for the reason why we had such rapid growth yes that's powerful Okay, now the last bit is that I'm gonna say a few words. You have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. It doesn't okay. have to mean anything, okay. but the first word is transformation. Me. Magma. Uh, joy. Wow. Magic. You. Aw. Surrender. God. Family. My baby. Aww. Sunset. Our back porch. Yes. Sky. Our front yard. Oh my God, I knew you would say those two. Dreams. Uh, they're everything. Yeah. Joy. Um, friendship. Yoga. Healing. Appreciation. It's everything. Freedom. Expansion. Authenticity. It's freedom. Oh. So you did very well, and your gift is. <laughs> <laughs>
is uh, me. <laughs> Just kidding. It's such a great gift. Oh, thank you so much. This is wonderful. I am so happy that you guys made it. And um, I don't get to see Rosie, but thank you so much. I'll, I'll send a message on to her. Thank you so much, Roma. You're, you're just such a, a light in this world and such a gift. And Aww. I really do see you as somebody who is always going for it. Yes, I learn from the right people. <laughs> Thank you. Love you so much. Same here. Thank you, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. I want to take a moment to appreciate the time, energy and effort that you have put into growing and becoming the best version of you. I am deeply grateful and forever indebted to serve you with the best of my abilities. Subscribe to this podcast and leave me a review here. It will really help me and help those around you if you share this podcast with others. If in any way this podcast has inspired you, I hope and wish that you will share this with your friends and families all across social media. I would love to leave you with one last quote that is my favorite and that is from the Bhagavad Gita and it says that you come here empty-handed and you will leave empty-handed. What is yours today belong to someone else yesterday and will belong to someone else tomorrow. We are all here to pay it forward. Thank you.